If you're used to using the Wi-Fi at a restaurant or a store you may go to often, they'll kick your phone off the Wi-Fi and make you join theirs. And because they have the same name, you don't even notice it. I spoke with IT specialist Corey Carter, who says this very thing happened to him. He said he didn't even realize what was happening until he got home and saw the mouse on his computer moving without him touching it. The hackers were able to use his phone to get into his home network. And he says it's because his phone automatically connects to his home Wi-Fi. He says the hacker then got on his computer and was going to websites like PayPal and other banking sites, hoping he had the password saved on them so they could get into his account. Gentlemen, boys, and girls, to Shadowcast, episode 23. I'm Whiskey Neon, joined tonight with Mr. Chin. Hey, hey! And Zandybot. Hello. And Black Math Bot. Howdy. <laughs> uh, yeah, this this is a episode in which... Everyone apparently had things going on at the last minute or whatever, so... Wait a minute, uh, you mean Zandibot's not real? Zandibot's definitely <laughs> real. <laughs> um, yeah, he's he's real, and he's always here to bring us a thrill. But anyways, um, yeah, Black Math is apparently too tired to be on the show. But, but I made it. You made it, yeah, which is, it's usually the other way around. So, thank you for participating and being on the show. So, did uh, you do anything interesting this week? Did we have any interesting stuff happen this week? Uh, not really, just the same old um, whatever. You know, same old shit. Oh, that was pretty short. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that, that works. Uh Oh, Black Math, what did you do this past week? I worked a lot. I had like 12-hour days, and then my wife got the flu. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is ridiculous. Um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've been dealing with uh, the internet connection at the lab has gone to shit, uh, Logic Works and I spent a, a while today trying to figure out if <laughs> the modem was actually exploited due to that uh, Ares, uh cable modem uh, vulnerability where you could reset the factory settings. We well, suspected that, that, might that would be awesome. Yeah. But I learned that with Time Warner Cable, if you are a business class user... They do not give you the username and password to your own modem. Uh, if you are residential, you can access it, but at business class, you are not allowed to access it. Because Time Warner cares about your health and safety. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they cared so much that I spent four hours waiting on them to show up today. 
and then they didn't even show up, so uh, we're hoping that tomorrow they show up. Uh, there was supposed to be a live stream uh, meeting that didn't happen, and then of course Shadowcast is supposed to be recorded up there. Uh, it I looks hope like you. Um, I hope you made it clear to them that you were losing millions of dollars per second. That's basically the way that logic works with framing it. <laughs> um, but anyways, the um, the beauty of it all is that um, I pulled out the Yagi antenna and was able to continue on with some internet thanks to a generous neighbor that had Wi-Fi. So it all works out in the end. But yeah, that's pretty much... My week in a nutshell. You didn't do anything cool, man? Uh, no, not really. Um, you know, I've been dealing... Uh, my life recently has been really just a, a compotony of work and hail damage and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. Well, well no. at least we dodged a bullet with that last storm. Yeah, we storm. did. We did, yeah. and I'm glad because I'm sitting there going, okay, you know, round one was all right. Round two kind of sealed the deal, and I, I really don't need a round three. Yeah, when they were saying grapefruit size hell, that's... Fuck. That's, that's the worst. But, well, uh, you yeah. know, for my next home, I'm thinking um, it'll just be... Uh, a very small amount of land, or excuse me, a very small amount of house that'll actually be above ground, and I'll it'll basically just be like a, a bomb shelter under underground level, so that I don't have to worry about the majority of the ship. Perfect. <laughs> it all works out then. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, since I have used up the entire soundboard I prepared, I guess we can move on. Uh, to the first segment of the show. Now it's time for the feed. So the U.S. House today, um, on Thursday, April 29th, 2016, uh, unanimously approved legislation. Oh, I'm sorry, this was yesterday. Either way, they unanimously approved legislation requiring authorities to obtain a court warrant to acquire emails and data stored in the cloud. Um, this is good news. Uh, for yeah. law-abiding citizens and uh, pesky information for all of the government agencies that we all know and love that Perfect. follow laws to the T. Exactly. Um, the vote was 419 to 0, uh, 238 de- Republicans and uh, 181 Democrats voting. Um this I, I don't know. On one hand, it feels like a bone, but um, we can take all that we can get it. You know, these days, um, I'm sure there's going to be various exclusions, and this, of course, does not remove the need for a FISA warrant or anything. You know what I mean? I mean, FISA right. still trumps. So. Yeah, but it's still a step in the right direction. Certainly. Even though um, it's not the best thing, uh, it, it's you know, it's one of those things where it's like, oh well. We'll give you this to make you feel okay while we're over here still, like, you know, screwing you over royally. Uh, It's still nice to see something move in the right direction, so, yeah. 
good uh, stuff. It, it's it's important to note that this bill does not require the government to notify users when it uh, collects this data from service providers through a warrant. Um, the companies are free to do so if they so choose. Uh, some will, some won't. My, the most won't. Uh, I would feel um, probably cool. Twitter will. Twitter will, but. You know, smaller providers or whatever, smaller cloud companies. I'm not sure they really want to get caught up in the legal battle. You know. Right. So, but either way, good news. Definitely. Um, moving on. Uh, this was a uh, a really interesting article, uh, or piece of news information, an info bit. Um, the U.S. government. Uh, recently awarded a contract to launch a new GPS satellite, not to Lockheed Martin and not to Boeing, but to SpaceX, which is awesome. Um, this breaks a decade-long monopoly um, that both Lockheed and Boeing have had on, on that industry. $83 million bucks to, to lop a hunk of metal in the space. But in, in fairness, Elon, Monk's, Elon has had some pretty good success lately with throwing hunks of metal in the space and getting them back so i'm sure speaking he'll, of uh, hunks. <laughs> continue please i'm sure he will have a uh, <laughs> i'm sure he'll have a, a a smashing time you know launching uh, a gps satellite on the back of a rocket um yeah so I'm not really sure why they need a new one, but I, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's just a, a matter of, you know, at some point the satellites get old and need to be replaced. Well, yeah, um, it, they don't have a long, uh, I think it's like 15 years max is usually what satellites are supposed to be their lifeline. And then they just let them be space junk after that. Uh, but I, I believe their end of life is, is something like only 15 years. Uh, speaking of satellites, I'm going to go off on a tangent a little bit, but um, perfect, isn't it? Um, in late last year, um, a satellite by the name of Galaxy Five uh, got just slammed by a, a solar um, event. Yeah, and it got damaged to the point where it could not be controlled uh, from the ground, but its transponder was still on, and uh, it was out of uh, orbit, which is fun. Um, and it happened to operate on the same frequencies as a bunch of other things, such as the satellite system that the National Weather Service uses for disseminating radar data and other things to uh, U.S. Air Force bases. And as this uh, satellite was making its way around the Earth, uh, its transponder happened to be pointing in the right direction, and it interfered with, with the satellite uplink from the National Weather Service oh, <laughs> to my the satellite. God. Um, to the point <laughs> where they had to change frequencies to avoid the interference. Oh now, wow! Yeah, I, I don't know if this is the, if that's still an issue, but um, you know the long-term impact of that was fairly minimal. Uh, at some point, the the satellite was going to run out of batteries or whatever, and, you know, degrade itself to the point where it would just become a, a hunk of space junk. Um, but I was reading about that, doing some research into that stuff recently and came across it. Interesting. Uh, I like I the idea that, that it can, like, turn into a space troll and just start causing <laughs> havoc. <laughs> <laughs> 
Space troll. <laughs> uh, I have a. I, I I might have one more, but if you want to jump in here. Oh no! By all means, go with your last one. Uh, well, that was me actually saying I'm not sure I can find the tab. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> that works. <laughs> we got plenty of. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I could just do as actually uh, while you're looking at your tab, I'm just gonna throw this in here because I meant to do it at the beginning and forgot. Um, and there was an interesting call that occurred this week uh, that uh, Zandy bought Hello. was present for. Um, a girl in your PC received the phone call, and uh, I hurried up and then we turned it on speakerphone and. Zandybot had a little conversation. <laughs> I thought it was pretty entertaining, so we're gonna share it with you right now. Um, yes, hello, sir. My name is Linda, and I'm a certified reservation agent. I'm here to help you claim your free cruise to the Bahamas. Hello. How are you today? Hello. 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 Can you hear me? <laughs> 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 yes, he 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 he. <laughs> so that was that was Zandybot talking to us. Uh, Did she uh, <laughs> Did she hang up? <laughs> Oh no, dude! I had to. I, w- I was doing that for like a minute or two straight. <laughs> I love how and, she just goes tee hee hee hee. <laughs> yeah, no, I I didn't know if she was just sitting there laughing or was just waiting to hear it out. I was doing all kinds of stuff. Like I was just like blowing the air horn. <laughs> Could you imagine being in a call center and uh, that all of a sudden you're talking to? Zandybot and getting the air horn and I think I even pulled out a oh my <laughs> but yeah I went on for a few minutes and then I hung up because it was like Jesus <laughs> give up woman uh, but anyways did you find your tab uh, I, I did not but I found another another um, news piece perfect it's relevant <laughs> A, a suspect charged with uh, cheese pizza-related crimes uh, has been jailed indefinitely for refusing to decrypt the hard drives until such a time that he can be fully compliant with the court order. Wait a second here. Okay, let's take a step back. Why don't you explain this a little bit more? Um, you've got a, a, a CP case. Mm-hmm. And because the guy's refusing to decrypt the hard drive, which is his right not to incriminate himself, he is now being thrown in jail. He's being yes, that's correct. He's jailed indefinitely. Right, and jailed indefinitely for refusing to to decrypt the drives. Whoa, he has a shitty lawyer. Yes, he does. <laughs> the irony here is he is a former Philadelphia Police Department sergeant. Oh, well, it's one of those cases where um, what's happening to this... He hasn't actually been charged with any of these crimes. What what do you mean he hasn't been charged? He hasn't been charged with any... He hasn't been indicted? 
Uh, you can't be thrown in contempt of court unless you've been charged or indicted at the very least. Like, you'd have to... How can he not be charged with something and thrown... This is a fucked case. Like, I don't care if he's guilty or not of child pornography. At the end of the day, yeah. this is fundamental to our legal system and rights. Um, I mean, if I, I if he did do this, then he deserves to go and rot in prison. Um, you know, but... Uh, he, you're saying he hasn't been charged? Are you sure of that? According to this news piece, he has not been charged. Jesus Christ. Wow. What's well, the detail? he has not been charged with any child porn related crimes. It, it doesn't say if he's been charged with anything else, which is kind of the implication there. Um, he remains imprisoned in Philadelphia's federal detention center for refusing to unlock two drives encrypted with Apple's file vault. Um, with what? What was the software? Apple's file vault. Oh, okay. Huh. Uh, he has a federal uh, public defender as a lawyer. Um, oh, well, that, there you go. <laughs> he has a shitty lawyer. <laughs> Although the lawyer said, quote, not only is he presently being held without charges, but he has never been in, never in his life been charged with a crime. And this is in their appeal to the third uh, U.S. Circuit Court. Man, that's insane. Yeah, that's really, really, really messed up. Yes, because... The, the fact remains is the Fifth Amendment protects you from incriminating yourself, which includes key disclosure. Uh, now, there's all kinds of different issues there, um, but I, I, I just don't understand. Um, there's a, like There was a case I remember a while back where there was uh, a customs agents found child porn yeah uh and when they just when they like seize his laptop it was powered down at which point his full disk encryption turned on and then he refuses to give the key over so that creates this whole entire issue <laughs> Uh, it's 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 hilarious because like if they would in that scenario you don't turn off the computer you know like you have yeah, it you, yeah you, you don't you get forensics in there asap you get a you plug that into the wall you know but uh but just like okay let's let's take the child porn out of the equation here yes um but arbitrary criminal case encrypted data right mm-hmm or, or, or this case, let's assume it wasn't child porn. It was just whatever. Anything. Anything yeah. for that matter. And and the laptop is uh, powered down. And at that point, they can't access the data. Um, mm -hmm. I'm just thinking if, if the person in possession of this laptop has any sort of, um, you know, any sort of, of cover their ass sense in them, they're going to put the encryption key on something that they just they don't know you know something you have yeah. versus something you know right and without that something that they have or or may not have or who knows you know two-factor authentication three-factor authentication whatever the case may be i you know you could tell them a 64 character string 
if he wanted, but that's not going to get them in because they don't have the other half. Yeah, and that's, that's the not truth. something you you know. So I, I don't understand how that you could be forced to give them something that you can't give them. I'm the sure best, this, I don't know. The best case scenario is to have something like a Yubi key. It has that 64 character random string uh, that you put after the 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 long passphrase that you remember. So when you use that in your FDE, you type in your long passphrase. You have your YubiKey plugged in. You press the button. It types out the 64 characters and press enter. So if you are in a situation in which you're being compelled to turn over things or you suspect that you're going to be in that scenario, you just snap the damn thing in half. Throw it in the microwave. Uh, you know, do something like that. And then there's literally no way you can even be compelled to turn it over even if you wanted to. Yeah, blender, <laughs> garbage disposal. Yeah, now, I just don't understand this because it, it, this just doesn't make any sense because uh, there's been cases uh, where the Court of Appeals have ruled that you cannot force someone to decrypt their laptop that, that it's a complete violation of the fifth amendment now if biometrics are involved that's a fourth amendment situation in which you can be compelled so don't use biometrics obviously um, which is why i went away from biometrics on my phone not that i have anything to hide but just out of sheer principle right uh it's just one of these things where uh i don't know this whole scenario i guess when we had our discussion about that specific scenario of biometrics on your phone with both android and ios uh you can unlock your phone using your fingerprint but on ios it's mandatory i believe if i remember correctly it's mandatory and on android it's optional but it should totally be done where when you turn on your phone you require your passphrase, not your biometrics to decrypt Yeah, uh, your phone. You say optional, so, I, you know, optional, but for us, it's standard. Right, right. I mean, on my, the, on my phone, the, you, you have to type in a, a passphrase to decrypt the phone that before you even get, in, you know, that it's fully encrypted, just like iOS is. Right, and that's not a matter of criminality it's it's a matter of no. lifestyle and it's and, a matter you know, of security fact that, the fact that we're in the information security field yeah yeah you uh you run the risk of security vulnerabilities if you don't use full disk encryption case in point uh there's this thing called convoot and if you just so happen to have donated computers you can boot into convoot and look at all the content on those hard drives or someone could do that to you and if you don't use full disk encryption then people your operating system doesn't protect you from anything you can clone a hard drive easily uh if you do not have full disk encryption then you are running the risk of your data being physically breached and copied and, and or manipulated so uh Full disk encryption is a security feature, not a cover your ass policy. Uh, so, yeah, I know this is basically uh, this dude trying to secure his laptop, whether or not he's guilty or innocent, should not be uh, a focus of concern. Um, 
It, it's just interesting. It's a hard, it's a tough issue. How do you, is. if we have anonymizing networks that are working great and full disk <laughs> encryption that works perfectly, how are you ever going to catch people who are distributing uh, cheese pizza? You're not going to be able to do it that easily. Well, so uh, uh, the the other half of that too is, is um, you know, you shouldn't rely on on technology to catch people. You should rely on people being people to catch people. I'm I'm thinking of uh, DPR. Um, exactly. You know, he got busted not because of the technology he was using or, or anything like that. He got busted because he was a fucking idiot in terms of operational security. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing is, uh, it's armchair detectives versus actual detectives. It's a whole lot easier to open up um, a tool and use it. It's almost like detectives are script kiddies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they're the script kiddies of law enforcement. They're not doing the trade like they should be. It's just so easy to have people decrypt their hard drives and find information when you could just find it in other ways. You know, Vanek freaking exists. Why don't you utilize that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you I mean, need to. Yeah, um, there's, there's, if you suspect someone, then go for it. I'm also thinking, too, that there are even there are all sorts of uh, things you can just do due diligence with um, offline data, uh, metadata, um, patterns, uh, building some sort of profile around the person. Uh, you can learn a lot with metadata. You, know, you don't need to, I mean, sure, the data on the drive will supplement what you already know, but you can build a, a pretty, I mean, it'll be circumstantial, but it'll be, they've issued warrants on circumstantial evidence before. Yeah, I don't understand why people are getting busted. Uh, like, I mean, if if I guess it depends on your OPSEC measures. If you're turning your computer off uh, when you leave it, you know, and stuff yeah. like that, in that scenario, if you have really illegal things on there, then, of course, you're going to be better protected. But, I mean, depending on how they found the guy and what state the drives were in, there, there's always a possibility of being able to do forensics analysis on things if they were given the right scenario. You know, hey, let's not just no-knock raid this guy. Why don't we wait until he leaves and check his computer? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's yep. ways to go about yep. doing it. Uh, it. Like in that example I gave about that case where the uh, the customs agents, they, they screwed up big time hugely like wow you had all of the evidence on the computer i don't even know how they even managed that like he must have had the computer on when they went through customs because if they use full disk encryption and they were able to see the stuff that means he had the computer on already yep so, so how do you screw that one up you know uh that's really what it comes down to so it, it, a full disk encryption shouldn't be blamed for people's horrible acts uh and it, this is just it's like at this point we need to just ban cash because cash is used by criminals to do crime it's the same logic as going after encryption like this it's well, stupid clearly. Clearly, we should have see-through wallets and, and, <laughs> and we clearly can't trust pens either because those are used for disseminating terroristic information exactly 
perfect. <laughs> uh, well, is that all you had? Yeah, that's all I had. All right. I think it was last episode we talked about. Uh, yeah, it was where uh, Opera now offers a VPN uh, service. <laughs> and, and I was, you know, I was questioning this whole concept. Um, but really, what it comes down to is, uh, it's 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 basically just a proxy. Uh, it's it's a HTTP proxy. That's all it really comes down to. HTTP. Well, HTTP or HTTPS. It's okay. you know it's it's same the same shit. Okay. But it's not a true VPN though. No. It's just it's just a proxy. And so you can actually um, on uh, GitHub on on uh, Gist. Is it Gist? It's Gist, isn't Gist, it? Yep. Yeah. God. Uh, child of the internet doesn't know how to say anything. Uh, anyways. There's a little uh, walk through there where you can make these API calls. And after you've done it, you can use the proxy. There's scripts. There's information on how it all works. And you can set up your device for uh, OpenVPN's, uh, I mean, sorry, Opera VPN's proxy service. So there you go. Uh, and. There's a cool tool that's out now called Router Exploit. It's the Router Exploit Exploitation Framework. So it is a uh, an entire kit that's designed to look for uh, like vulnerabilities and, and be able to exploit those vulnerabilities on your uh, network embedded devices. Um, you can also try default credentials and uh then it's also a, a scanner as well just to check and make sure or uh, you know if anything's vulnerable on your embedded devices so this is a really cool uh piece of software that's uh, you can find on github.com slash reverse dash shell slash router exploit it's going to be something I would expect to be included in Cali in any moment. <laughs> uh, but there's instructions on how to use it on Cali and Ubuntu and OS 10. So, uh, yeah, check it out. And please do not own the routers at the lab.ms because really need that back up. Um, but I encourage everyone to use this on Mr. Chin's network. Uh, make sure that his security is in perfect condition. Perfect. So, uh, and moving on, uh, it's pretty funny. Um, uh, before you move on, I have a tiny <laughs> URL for that. <laughs> All right, what is it? Tinyurl.com slash perfect black. <laughs> 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 there we go alright so uh, yeah Slack is really popular um, Mr. Chin do y'all use Slack at work or do y'all use IRC no we have internal stuff not Slack oh you have like a XMPP no it's I mean um, 
It's mostly IRC, honestly. Um, yeah. At least for you know the engineers and and stuff, people that actually get stuff done. Management likes you know the office based whatever, whatever they're calling it. Yeah. Well, yeah, Slack is widely used and uh, it, it's neato. It's kind of I don't know. It's like the web web browser equivalent of IRC in a lot of ways with some enhancements. Uh, but yeah, apparently on GitHub, you could simply search, uh, on GitHub to look for Slack tokens that were included in, uh, uh, GitHub project files. So you would see, uh, a lot of the, uh, you know, tokens in, in just code that wasn't, you know, removed. You'd have username and passwords and all kinds of fun stuff. So, um, up, whoever researched this, uh, Detectify, uh, they found, uh, 1,500 tokens. Uh, so, there are Fortune 500, or Forbes 500 companies, which I guess is similar to Fortune 500 companies, payment providers, multiple internet service providers, and healthcare providers. Uh... Also, advertising agencies who want to show what they're doing internally. Um, so, yeah. Tons of interesting things there. Uh, but they did a lot of searching on here and found some really cool stuff. So, imagine how much fun you could have if you started taking over um, Slack tokens. Uh, but, yeah. Anyways... They would, uh, they sent out a report, let everyone know who was affected by this, and hopefully, uh, they took care of the, this little issue. But as they point out, uh, GitHub has a ton of sensitive data on it, and that's true. Uh, we, we've learned this through Pacemen, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Falconeer, big shout out to him. Big shout out to Falconeer. <laughs> <laughs> Big shout out uh, to Falconeer. Yeah, Falconeer, um, who still has a shoe been, on his head. He's been making fashion statements since 2012. Yeah. Uh, maybe he's graduated high school. I don't know. Anyways, um, probably not. <laughs> yeah, no, he was pretty young. Anyways, uh, posting uh, configuration settings with passwords and looking for them on Pastebin has been a fun activity for years. Um, now that Pastebin's used to actually dump password databases, uh, it's it's kind of hard to find the actual real passwords you're looking for. But GitHub, of course, is just as open and easily searchable and has a lot of information that you can find on there. Uh, a while back, uh, there was AWS... Uh, tokens that were all in GitHub that a lot of people were stealing. And, and what's funny is that with GitHub, being that it's so different than SourceForge, you know, like, I was searching back when everyone used SourceForge, you wouldn't be able to see something in code. You know what I mean? Like, yep. it was not a easy-to-search system whatsoever. Uh, GitHub makes it hella easy. Uh, but yeah, 
that's pretty interesting uh, write-up and concept there. So I'm sure we're going to see a whole lot more of this type of thing on GitHub with different tokens for different providers. Uh, so if you have any cool ideas for that, uh, email us at show at shadowcast.co and, and give us some ideas to run with that. Uh, but speaking of Slack, there is a open source, uh, I guess you could say clone, called Mattermost, which is awesome. We use it, and it's pretty badass, wouldn't you say? I would, yeah. I really like it. Um, I, I'm, I'm still, you know, very much an old school IRC kind of guy, but right. um, as a second choice, you know, Mattermost is it's pretty awesome. Well, being that it's completely reverse-engineered, I, I guess you could say that, for lack of a better term, uh, Slack's webhooks, you can actually have a bot that, you know, uh, is in your IRC chat room and and uh, relays back and forth between Mattermost and IRC. So you can actually have best of both worlds there. Um, but yeah, Mattermost is basically a, a Slack clone that... It's completely compatible with everything that selects, you know, third-party applications. But it's built on top of that and has even more cool shit. So, uh, what happened uh, recently, I, I saw that there was a, uh, a big security update. So, I updated promptly. And I was glad I, I did because um, a researcher was able to... Uh, go from a, a just a, a new member and going from new member all the way up to uh, being the system administrator of the Mattermost instance. Uh, That's a problem. Yeah, it's a pretty big problem. Uh, it was a pretty uh, a pretty crazy cross-site scripting uh, vulnerability. Um, but, uh, you know, it wouldn't be too hard to go from a simple user that's a member of a team or whatever, if you could get on the same team as the, uh, uh, system administrator, then, you know, you would have been able to jump up to system administrator. So it's pretty cool. Um, of course, anytime you're doing something like that, it's best not to run as the system administrator account Yeah, for those very reasons. And uh, if you haven't learned that with WordPress or any of those other CMSs, well, you need to learn. Oh, or, or even something along the same lines, don't run Tomcat as root. <laughs> uh, dude, I can't fucking tell you how many times back when I was working in a managed web hosting gig, we saw fucking customers come in and be, oh, I'm going to run Tomcat as root. <laughs> Nothing can happen. Tee hee hee. Yeah, well, big giant fuck you. Perfect. What is such a... <laughs> such a... <laughs> oh, shit. A classic yeah. Mr. Chin Rand right there. Yep. <laughs> oh, God. This is never going to get old. <laughs> um, But, yeah. Uh, do you play uh, Minecraft, Mr. Chin? I King? do not. Have you ever thought of doing that? I have not. Well, good. 
because uh, there is a Minecraft community called Lifeboat, and all of the members of Lifeboat have been hacked. Seven million accounts. Oh, shit. Seven million accounts. That is huge, huge, huge deal. Uh, and um, this is uh, <laughs> uh, basically a, a huge uh, own. And what's funny is that it's, if you go to haveibeenpwned.com, um, it's a searchable uh, website where you can put in your email address or username and it'll cross-reference that against a lot of these huge breaches. So, um, yeah. The biggest one, of course, uh, I think ever was when Adobe got owned years ago. Uh, but 7 million, that's a pretty, that's a pretty big one. Uh, I don't play, you know, Minecraft, uh, but, uh, you know, it's still... A huge amount of people and it needs to be noted that that's one of the biggest ones that probably ever has been released now this is they have the database with have I been pwned.com but uh, as far as I've been looking I haven't found where people have actually dumped the entire database yet anywhere else so uh, the thing that was key about this is that the passwords were hashed uh, with just MD5. So, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unsalted, just done. It's over. Oh. Yeah. So, poor people uh, who were affected by this, which is going to be a lot of kids, actually. Which, which is really sad. Sad, but not really important, because they're not going to have financial information screwed with. It's just, you know... Well, no, but that's, I don't know, ripe for the taking. I, 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 I don't know. What are you going to do with the account of, like, a 12-year-old who uses Minecraft? Make you just put a shoe on his head? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, definitely. Um, that was the inside joke there. Uh, but anyways, it's funny. Or maybe funny. you could go into website development. Ah, there you go. Yeah, another inside joke. Uh, but yeah, anyways, the uh, the fact is 7 million accounts breached, so pretty, pretty shitty. Pretty shitty situation there. Speaking of breaches, uh, the Mexican voter database with a 93.4 million records. It's leaked online. Uh, this was done by LolSec Espanol. No, I'm kidding. It was just a reference to your story from last week, but uh, <laughs> this was um, uh, it, the the data has been held outside of Mexico, according to Alex Cruz Farmer, uh, who may actually not know anything about this. But uh, this is a pretty huge uh, dump. Looking at the screenshot. It is, uh, it looks to be a database dump, so, or no, is, is that JSON? It is JSON, wow. Seriously? Alright, yeah. Man, oh. Wow. Oh, that's so cool. Anyways. <laughs> uh. 
storming here? Uh, yeah, it's starting. To, uh, yeah, the storm's starting to kick in right about now it's, for it's, us in the DFW Metroplex. Uh, so, sip some cocoa and enjoy the soothing sounds of Mister Chenowitzki Neon. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, sure yeah, the, soothing, but sure. <laughs> Anyways, the uh, the whole idea with this one is all of the uh, voter records. I really, 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 really hope here that this does not say who they voted for. Because I don't know if you've heard, Mexico is kind of a corrupt place. And I'd be afraid of... Was that thunder I heard in the background? That was thunder you heard in the background. That is awesome. Wow. Okay. That was like the Griffith coolest thing that's happened on the show. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did the uh, did the tarp fall off the roof yet? <laughs> it actually did, and they had to come out and redo it. <laughs> now I have water damage. <laughs> Sorry, but that's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just knew that was going to happen. Oh, my God. Uh, well, there you go. Um, yeah, I just really hope that there's no actual previous voter history leaked because, oh my god, that's going to be really bad. Um, yeah, but anyways, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> the storm going on in the background is hysterical. Wow. Um, Bangladesh Bank uh, was screwed over a few months ago. Uh, it was their central bank. Uh, hackers were able to steal $80 million uh, out of that bank. And you may wonder why. Why do you think it happened? Why did that happen? Well, Mohammed Shah Alam, uh, who worked on the team investigating everything, said that it all came down to a second-hand router that cost ten dollars. What? <laughs> um, and they also said that these same cheap routers have hindered the investigation because they collected very little network data that can be used to pinpoint the hackers and shed light on their tactics. So this was in February when this occurred, and uh, the hackers were able to get the core network of the central bank. And they used this to transfer cash uh, at the Federal Reserve Bank of New York to other banks. So, uh, what Wait, actually... Hold up. Uh-huh. At the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. Yeah, it was the Bangladesh, that, like the, the nation state. Their account at the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, they were able to... Actually, move eighty million dollars. Oh my god! That's the eighty-one million. But um, what's a million after you've been screwed that bad, right? Yeah. <laughs> um. So it, apparently, the money was moved to the Philippines and has been connected to casinos. Um. And like most of the money's been gone. But apparently, I was reading in another article earlier that. They were trying to steal over a billion dollars, but there was a typo. And so, and so there, that's there totally was like, a scene out of Office Space. 
Yeah, there was a spelling mistake is what tipped them all off on the transfer orders and got it all stopped, but they still were able to move out $81 million first. And it all came down to a $10 router at the end of the day. That is... Okay, from the outside looking in, that is fantastic and... <laughs> you know, it, it's horrid, but it's fantastic at the same time. You know, it's a great metaphor for the state of security today. Yeah, it is. We'd rather stick a $10 router in and, and just assume the risk for $81 million in losses. Although, I think it's not quite that dramatic, but it's very, very close to that in a lot of cases. The, the, I, we can't really talk too much about the specific scenario, but there was a, an important part of our infrastructure in the United States that was incredibly vulnerable to not only attacks, uh, but uh, natural disasters, I guess you could say for lack of better words. Um, and it could have cost billions of dollars worth of, of damages if something malicious would have occurred on these machines or if the elements would have affected the control systems and that's in the united states that's with you know all of our cyber security push and you know all that bullshit so that's kind of similar although this is really expensive stuff some of the things that could have been used there to protect it wouldn't even cost ten dollars but yet we were looking at billions of dollars in possible loss of life uh, for something really simple in that s scenario we can't really talk too much about. Uh, anyways, the Lansing uh, a utility system announced on the 25th, which was Monday. They were the victim of ransomware that came in through a phishing virus and affected their corporate networks. They immediately installed a self-imposed lockdown to all of their corporate networks to protect the system while developing a solution. They are working with local, state, and federal law enforcement authorities. No utility functionality has been lost during the attack, and no personal customer information has been compromised. Customers are still able to make payments through the online portal, walking into our customer service center or at kiosk. So, uh, yeah. They uh, they were a complete victim of ransomware, and they didn't even know how to publicly talk about it, <laughs> because they got it through a phishing virus. Hey, hey! And immediately instated a self-imposed lockdown. I wonder how long it took for that 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 to occur. You know, from the the phishing virus to realizing they had ransomware. <laughs> I'm just glad that nothing, uh, none of their utility systems were compromised or that we know of. They just said, all, all they said that you could still pay your bill, which they'll do that even if their own lights aren't on. <laughs> Come on. I hope you made it clear to them that you were losing millions of dollars per second. Exactly. But yeah, that's all the news I got. So, uh, why don't we move into, uh, our favorite segment of the show, straight out of Florida. Straight out of Dayton. 
A Burger King employee was arrested for stealing food and money to pay his drug debts. William Simmons Sr. is alleged to have stolen over $20,000 in food and nearly $3,200 in cash in the short time since he was hired on March 29th. Holy cow. (laughs) (laughs) That's a serious hustle. Man, oh shit! How the hell do you manage to steal twenty thousand dollars of food and no one notices? <laughs> like, you would think that would stick out like a sore thumb almost instantly. Like, um, a Burger King cheeseburger. How much does a Burger King cheeseburger cost? I don't know, three, four bucks at the most, dude. I'm talking like a normal cheeseburger. Uh, like, oh, what's the most time? Ta- okay, let's just say it's A1 Ultimate Bacon Cheeseburger. They're like one of their most expensive things on the, on the menu. Uh, $20,000 would buy you 3,180 of those fuckers. <laughs> so that's a lot of shit that's not showing up. I don't know how he did it. But anyways. I would love uh, to find out how he did it. That'd be an interesting... Well, uh, the, with the, the manager... He looked at the video cameras, uh, and he saw that, that Simmons was leaving a, a door unlocked and then entering it uh, with the alarms not going off. And so uh, they they saw him stealing money out of the registers. Uh, but uh, Simmons tried to say <laughs> in his defense that everybody made sandwiches to take home with him. <laughs> But yeah, he he admitted to also taking frozen sausage patties and biscuits. Um, A detective was quoted as saying, when I asked Simmons why he was taking money from the register, he said that he owed some money to, uh, he owed some people money for drugs. Um, Simmons claims that he stole less than $300, but the manager is saying that he stole $3,191. Um, but yeah, Simmons is also a sex offender, and he's been arrested seven times and convicted of sexual assault, marijuana possession, and failure to register as a sex offender. He's being held on $15,000 bond, and you can fund his Indiegogo bond campaign at tinyurl.com slash set Mr. Chin free. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, wow! Yeah, that's a that's a impressive haul. Twenty thousand dollars in food. That's a shit ton of sausage patties. There's no damn like what the hell. That's at retail pricing, by the way. That's not at their cost at Burger King. If you're, you know what I'm saying, like, yeah. I don't know how you sneak out three thousand sandwich. How would you go about doing that if you were to do that? If I were, I, I, I haven't, but if I were perfect, I, I don't know. I mean, some sort of <laughs> go, go down to the local U-Haul and rent a truck. So you just steal it all in one night. Yep, just away you go. Fuck it. <laughs> I, I'd like to think of it as if I were to do it, I'd be in it for the long con, kind of like the Johnny Cash one piece at a time song. Where the whole point of it is just like he's working at the GM factory and he slowly steals parts once at a, one part at a time until he builds his own car. I do that with a Whopper. 
That's so let us one day. Next day I'm gonna get a bun. Just do it slow. <laughs> so that you're just uh, under the radar. But why would he what what is the benefit of for him of stealing this food? Like is he paying his dealers in food? <laughs> um motherfuckers gotta eat dude. <laughs> 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 Jesus, black man, get a hold of yourself. Uh, anyways, <laughs> I, I mean, ah, man, if you could steal food from Burger King, what would you even steal? Like Ch- chicken nuggets? No, they're chicken fingers. Oh, you know what? I'd steal those fucking pies. Oh, the her, like the uh, Hershey's pies. Hershey's Fuck pies. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, I'd steal twenty thousand of those motherfuckers. Oh, okay, not that I'm going to do this, and please don't consider this a pre-admission of guilt if something like that happens. I love me. your disclaimers. <laughs> I always feel like it's necessary to mention that I would never do this ever in a million years. <laughs> it's purely hypothetical. <laughs> anyway, but um, I would. I would totally go to jail for twenty thousand dollars worth of Hershey's pies. Hello. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Howdy. Yeah, I would totally do the same thing. Uh, it would be best if you went to prison for stealing the three thousand dollars, and then you had the twenty thousand dollars worth of Hershey's pie in prison. Oh hell yes, you could easily pawn that off as. Um, yeah, you could uh, be a fucking lord of that place. It's like, oh, oh, you're selling hash? Okay, well, I've got Hershey's cream pies. No one in here has that shit. <laughs> you're, you're paying off. You've got, like, an iPhone in the prison because you've paid off the corrections officers. <laughs> and people start, like... A national news stuff. today, a riot started at... <laughs> yeah, no shit. Where's my pie, motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right well that's that's florida man and i guess uh i guess we can move into uh the main topic of the show or what we like to call your mom come on come on engaging your mom in three two one activate so back in the day when we were slaves and this is good <laughs> <laughs> fucking monopoly on enterprise uh, hardware, things were bad. And then Ubiquity came along, and they made really, really, really awesome enterprise-grade uh, networking equipment for a variety of solutions. Yeah. They, they really make good stuff. Um, I happen to have one of their products here in my home. A UAP Pro uh, with two Ethernet ports, gigabit Ethernet ports, and um standard wireless package that they offer and they offer a bunch of other things like long range um wireless connectivity and and whatnot but um i don't have a need for those the whole premise behind ubiquity is uh you have a device and then a centralized controller well to clarify it's the unify that you have that that is true that is true just so we're thank you thank you the unify um brand together Uh, the whole premise behind uh, the Ubiquity line of products, though, is you have uh, the device, whether it be a switch or, or an access point, 
um, whatever the case may be, and then you have a controller, and that's used to push out configuration changes. Centralized management. Really awesome. The controller software can be run in the cloud um, or on your local PC, whatever you want to do. Um, the this takes away a lot of the administrative pain too uh, because of the centralized management but it also introduces a few um, additional eggs in one basket sort of uh, security concerns um, starting from the top uh, these uh, these devices at least the the unify uh, access point that i have and several others from what i can tell um, is done, the provisioning is done initially over SSH um, using default uh, credentials. And those credentials, uh, the username UBNT, the password UBNT, lowercase, um, SSH keys, the host keys uh, for uh, this connection um, are hard coded into the firmware. They do not rotate over a uh, firmware reset, which is a huge security deal. Uh, Whiskey, if you could, you know, um, kind of emphasize how horrible of an idea that is um, to hard yeah. code uh, server side. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's a really horrible idea because uh, all you need to do is uh, get a hold of one of those and then it's game over for their entire product line. Uh, if you actually uh, on the default cred situation, though, which is is I think is a big part of a concern there, is they openly say that actually, you know, is is that it's uh, the default username and, and password is UBNT UBNT, and. Uh, if you have a multi-site configuration, you can actually see the device password if you have access to the controller, uh, which is it sounds, well, duh, dude, you would think that would make sense, but um, you being able to connect over SSH uh, and having the SSH creds and administration panel, which may not have, that may be compromised through a different manner, may be a man-in-the-middle attack. Uh, maybe through a CSRF vulnerability, uh, getting access to that panel and being able to just see clear text, uh, passwords is always a bad practice, which of course, like you were pointing out the, uh, the default certificate is also a really horrible concept. Yeah. The, I was only really able to identify in my mind, one reason they would legitimately do this, and that is that the controller is connecting into the device to initially uh, provision it, and they don't want to worry about host keys, you know, in the software of the controller. So they just hard code the 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 server side RSA fingerprints, and <laughs> that's just pure conjecture on my part. But that's the only thing I could think of. Yeah, it, it's really stupid. Just having the host key. Well, these are on unconfigured devices, or or do they stay the same after they're configured? No, they're, they they uh, stay the same after they're configured. I've confirmed this. Oh wow, that's 
And I, I didn't realize that's what you were saying. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this was tested by uh, connecting to a device that was configured, noting the keys, um, resetting it back to factory defaults, going back in, noting the keys again. They had not changed. Noting it across, um, I know multiple people with these devices, and one of them happened to have uh, the same firmware version that I do. And again, same fingerprint, same hashes, same keys. So there is no regeneration that goes on. Um, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, uh, that's really bad. And you know, that's that's something that you see in other embedded devices as well. It's that ubiquity specific, but it's still really, really, really bad when you look at how embedded devices we just talked about there is now a framework for attacking uh these specific embedded devices and uh, think that they're using the static host keys is not the best uh best avenue of doing it that's for sure nope um backing up a little bit though you, you might you know listening along you might be wondering but mr chin how does the controller know that the device is there? How, how does that work? Uh, well, the, the device, um, at least the access points, are configured with uh, a DHCP network configuration by default. So they'll just grab it from your friendly DHCP server. Um, if that is not available, it will automatically assume an IP address of 192.168.1.40. Um, and then it will also send out UDP packets to a multicast group. And those UDP packets say, hey, I'm an access point and I'm here at this IP address. Just so you're aware, Mr. Controller, because it doesn't know where in the world the controller is going to be. It's like where in the world is Carmen Sandiego, right? Um, those are sent to port 60,000. That's 60000. Uh, the UDP data is in binary format. I have not been able to uh, decode or otherwise figure out what it does, but... Uh, perhaps potentially on a future episode I'll have further details on that it is definitely a hey I'm here um, sort of thing and used uh, more prevalent before the device has been provisioned but it does send at least one of those out after a reboot um, once the device is provisioned the controller will send out a heartbeat sort of uh, signal to it um, every so often, you know, you can go as low as 15 seconds, as high as 10 minutes. But this heartbeat is is what it sounds like. The uh, the controller saying, "Hey, are you there?" And uh, 15 the, seconds. Yeah, <laughs> that's very noisy. Yeah, it is. Uh, but what's even more interesting about this heartbeat is that it it is an HTTP post request to the uh, access point or device. It's not HTTPS. It is plain text HTTP. Um, what are you seeing there? Uh, it, it's, unfortunately, it's binary data. Ah. Oh, I see. I see. So, Interesting. Uh, again, I haven't... I have not uh, been able to, to figure out what that does yet, but um, hopefully in the future I will. Um, this is to uh, the slash inform... Uh, method so uh, access point IP slash inform um, it seems that this inform URL is uh, very very important to the control to the to the device 
Um, because <laughs> it, uh, what, I need a drink of water. Uh, because not only can you um, do heartbeats, but you can issue commands such as, uh, hey, go grab the latest firmware. Oh, and here's the URL, which is done through awget. Mm-hmm. Um, no, uh, I, I, not certain if that would be a uh, uh, secure or insecure method. It, it, by default, uh, by default, the the firmware URL is the controller, uh, with you know whatever firmware image it is, and that is done over clear text. There's no SSL certificate on the on the controller to handle firmware downloads either. Um, so that's a load of fun. Um, <laughs> I, I, all right, so so I, I've played with this before too, and and I I think I don't know. It's been a while, but correct me if I'm wrong. Is there not a uh, when you have the device before the controller's involved, or maybe part of the controller process? I want to say the device looks for a specific domain. It does. I don't remember what that is off the top of my head, but it has one built in that it will look for. Um, and doesn't the controller like try to set a? I don't know. There's something where you can set the host name as that as the host name that the, the device is looking for. Or something. Yeah, if for yeah for exactly for the for the purposes of this um, show, controller.local or whatever. That's what the um, device will look for initially and then on the controller you can say hey here's where I'm at and you can specify a DNS name um, in my case it's just an IP address um, and then when you as the controller connect into the device you end up it, I know it goes in and edits a few config files um, you know, changes parameters and then reboots it um, and yeah. once it's rebooted the uh, the device will look at that whatever you set for any sort of firmware upgrades, any sort of further provisioning info, that sort of thing. Um, okay. But the controller can also, and this is kind of what I was getting at, the controller can also tell the device, hey, go and grab the latest firmware through yeah. a post command, a post HTTP post, which would be really interesting to pull off. Um is I, that you know, well? Of course, it's binary. Does it send anything back to the controller? It, it or is does. It just one way? Um, okay. It, it's, but it look. It doesn't look much more than uh, okay. Hey, succeeded or, or whatever. It's very minimal in terms of length. Interesting. You know what you should do is uh, uh, I don't know. Just send some random bullshit. Put some sort to of it. proxy or something. <laughs> well, you need to just send some bullshit to it and see what happens. I mean, you won't have Wi-Fi, but at least we'll know. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm not. That's not a production access point right now. Anyway, I tried sending um, 10 megs worth of uh, just zeros to it earlier, and it, it didn't do anything. So I think there might be some uh, refer headers, some sort of authentication going on there. Or it might be looking for signed binaries too. Yeah, exactly. Something. Um, the this is what really this specifically really caught my attention um, the username um, after provisioning the username and the password of the device are the same as the controller so oh. 
if you were to say generate UDP packets on port 60,000 to advertise a new uh. device and then have say a modified version of SSH or you know insert something here that can log those passwords yeah just emulate the fucker yeah emulate it and then get somebody either through cross-site um, CSRF or, or cross-site scripting or whatever to uh, provision your device you then have the keys to the controller you then have the keys to all the other devices on the network it's game over yeah um as far as the processes within the device itself whatever username is provisioned to it uh, in my case uh, let's say chin for example that's that's the process everything runs at there's no user separation you get one user and that's it um like many of the other embedded devices out there do, there isn't a sense of, of kernel versus user land or, or what you would find on a typical, um, uh, even a Raspberry Pi for that matter. You know, it, it's not a multi-user environment. What you see is what you get. So as an extension of that, all of your normal services, uh, DHCP, host APD for the wireless, an NTP client, um, a redirector to uh, do some sort of weird... I don't know what the hell it does, like guest captive portal sort of stuff. Um, your drop bear SSH daemon, um, some other control stuff, all of that, all of that is baked into um, either BusyBox, which everybody knows BusyBox, or a custom thing that they call UBNT Box, which from what I can tell is um, pre-compiled you know, small binary that serves their purposes, very similar to BusyBox. But either way, it's running effectively as root. So, I, again, I haven't found any remote code executions or buffer overflows or anything like that. But if one exists, game over. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. <laughs> That's on the APs. So they have yeah. a whole line of products. Uh, my my research has been on the switches themselves. Um, I took it, I took one apart uh, to see what was running on that that thing, and it was you know some MIPS controllers. There's nothing nothing I was gonna be excited about, but uh, yeah, actually, what's really funny on the switch side, just as an aside here. Um, the the actual uh, switch is your standard 48 port size like you would see from any uh, Cisco anything else or Netgear or whatever yeah but I swear it's using like half of the actual space it could be half the size that it actually is it's using like uh, off the shelf Ethernet cards and stuff. It's, Interesting. Yeah, it's really funny. It, it, it looks like someone just kind of hacked it all together. Uh, Honestly, as far as the, the access points are concerned, it's nothing more than um, an Atheros or a Broadcom chipset on a, on a, on a board with uh, a standard BusyBox, and then they threw their custom, a few custom kernel modules on it. Yeah, yeah it's very simple stuff. If, now this is, you know, we've been talking about the Unify line, which uses the controller. The real popular line that they're most known for is the Edge Max, which is commonly used by, of course, 
some uh, enterprise environments, but definitely with wireless internet service providers, Edgemax is used heavily there. Um, a lot of this stuff kind of uh, goes over. There's no controller, uh, but the hardware is a, mostly the same. Um, yeah. So some of the things that you can look at on the software on Edgemax may potentially be applicable on the Unify side. Uh, I've done a lot of reading uh, on their forums uh, th- from their developers, uh, multiple accounts asking specific questions with that you wouldn't want one account asking. Um, and there's some interesting information out there on that forum that you can find out about their product line. Um, but yeah, actually, was he while you're uh, while you're here? Um, I just ran the strings command against the uh, UBNT box binary that they've got going on here. Uh-huh. Um, and at the very end, there's a lot of crap in here. But at the very end, I'm seeing their entire product line. Uh, let me just read off some names here to kind of emphasize um, how common some of the software might actually be. Um, Rocket M2, Rocket M5, Bullet M2, AirGrid M5, Pico Station, Airwire, Air Nano Station, Light Station, Power AP, Air, Power AP, Air Router, Nano Station. Uh, there's some 3G stations in here, a Wisp Station. You yeah. get the idea. So, it, it, from what I can tell, that UBNT box and in their kernel modules, a, a lot of the software that they're using it has a common code base. Yeah, yeah. Because why else would you put all of these product names into a binary that's going on to, you know, a, UA, a Unify UAP Pro? Right. You wouldn't. Yeah, you know, now that I think about it, uh, I think uh, I think we might actually need to look into the uh, Unify VoIP um, phone that I have from Ubiquity because that might be a way easier way to actually look at their controller software because it is just basically a shitty uh, like Android tablet stuck on a phone. You know, it's just like a docking station for a tablet that you can't yeah. undock. What um kind of going back to the firmware thing a little bit, and this is this is kind of where I want to wrap things up as far as uh, this subject is concerned. But you know, if you could gain access to one device and then set the um, controller URL or the firmware URL or grab an alternate firmware that you had custom compiled, yeah, because this, the firmware is out there, so. Um, you know, with enough time and energy, you could grab it, uncompress it, do what you want to it, repack it, etc. Um, at that point, you could put whatever you wanted on the device, and it could serve as an entry point into the network, um, a pivot point into, say, administrative networks, because a lot of these mm-hmm. devices are put on a management VLAN. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And who's going to suspect a, an access point? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, you look at... The, they have, they they sell in the Unify line outside of their... Their APs are really uh, probably what they sell the most of in their Unify line, I would say, by, by large. Um, yeah. But they also sell their security gateway, which is just a rebranded Edge uh, Max. 
router with the Unify interface. And again, like I was talking about their switches, these Android VoIP phones, their security uh, cameras, and their network video recorder, their NVR, which runs off of Ubuntu. Um, and they have the MiFi, their Internet of Things product line, all controlled by the same controller. So it can be a lot of uh, Don't get me wrong. The UI on that controller is fantastic. Oh, yeah. It's a great product. There's just security concerns here. That's it. There, there yeah. are. I, I mean, not just what we're talking about tonight. There's, there's previous cases of this. Uh, in 2000 and, uh, well, in, on February 23rd of this year, a uh, CSRF vulnerability was disclosed when it was originally reported on March 19th of 2015. Or no, sorry, I take that back. It was discovered back then. It was reported on March uh, 10th. I don't know. That makes no sense. I don't know how you discover. Yeah, I'm not. I don't understand how you discover a vulnerability nine days after you've reported it. Regardless, the timeline's irrelevant. It was over a year, before, right about a year after it was uh, discovered or reported that uh, it was disclosed. And if you haven't updated in that period of time, you might want to. Um, but there have been people who have been able to exploit this platform. I mean, the entire configuration from your controller is one JSON file. So, uh, if you could pull I wonder that if out. that's what the binary ultimately represents. That'd be interesting. Hmm. I don't know. You need to do some digging. We'll get my, uh, ubiquity phone out and set it up and, uh, make a part two. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I have for your mom this evening. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So, um, well, this is a shorter episode than normal, I think, actually. Oh, that was pretty short. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, anyways, you got any last words for us, uh, Mr. Chin? Ha <laughs> ha! Hello. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, since everyone is gone, uh, as we say always here at Shadow Systems, we encourage you to hack the planet. <laughs> ha ha!